Hey everyone, welcome to the Sliving with Sickle Cell podcast. My name is Barbara Biosa and I am a sickle cell warrior, CEO and fashion designer of luxury women's wear clothing brand Dimabai and founder of the Gideon's Treasure Foundation and I am your host today. From the Queen Paris Hilton, sliving means slaying and living your best life. We all deserve to do this. I'm here to bring you all the fabulous tales, the struggles and the triumphs of living with sickle cell anemia and running a business with a disability. There has been many highs and many lows, but I think it's important to share your stories and journey. We will be discussing some important topics and inviting some amazing guest speakers to share their experiences and their journey. This podcast is dedicated to help spread awareness of sickle cell anemia, uplift and build a community of ambitious people who may have a physical or emotional challenges that make being an entrepreneur or following your dreams that much harder. Hey everyone, today we have a very special guest, fashion model, sickle cell warrior advocate and founder of the Sickle Teller health and wellness platform, the amazing Patrish. Yay, thank you for joining me. How are you today? <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm great. Thank you. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm so excited to um, learn about your journey with sickle cell and all the incredible things that you're doing. So um, let's start by telling me a bit about yourself, your background and your upbringing with sickle cell. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for having me again. Um, I am Patricia. I am the founder of a platform called Sickle Teller. I'm a fashion model as well. And my background has been very positive, very uplifting, um, very much you can do what you want to do. You can be what you'd be, you know, sky is not the limit. You can achieve what you want to achieve. So it was that kind of background. Um, I'm of a Nigerian heritage, uh, was born and raised in London and I was diagnosed with sickle cell HBSS when I was nine years old. So for those first nine years, it was just a constant question mark of what's going on. Why am I in pain? Going to all different hospitals in London to find out what's wrong. And then eventually when I was nine years old, I fainted in school and was taken to the hospital and someone there did a blood test <laughs> and I found out it was sickle cell. So um, since that diagnosis, it's just been also about precautions. So my family in my ear yeah. all the time when I was growing up about, have you had, have you got your cardigan? Have you filled out your water bottle? Yeah. You know, have you taken your medicine? You know, just all these things yeah. whenever I'm going out or doing something and yeah, it's just been very positive, but also very precautionary as well. But then they also instilled in me that no matter your circumstance, whether it's sickle cell or whatever it is, it's your mind. You can do anything you put your mind to. So that was yeah. kind of foundations that I grew up on. Oh, I absolutely yeah. love that. Like, and especially like positivity, it does make a difference. Um, but I definitely want to um, touch point on the it being diagnosed at nine. That's like really different because I know um, for me it was around four, but still a lot of people I speak to, they're usually like, oh, we knew at birth or my mum knew I was pregnant. So it's such a different like, um, like a way of like experiencing it. And so do you have any other, yeah. anyone else in your family who has sickle cell? that they knew about before that period? Um, yes, my older cousin, one of my older cousins um, has got sickle cell as well. And um, yeah, that, that's the only person I really knew. And also a family friend who also is an advocate as well. And that was it really. But 
I can't remember anyone no. between age zero to nine having it. I didn't know it existed yeah. really. I, I'm not, yeah, I don't think yeah. I did actually until I know. So that was like, okay. Yeah. And what was it like for your parents? Because I know um, for them, they obviously they, they didn't know about sickle cell at the point and they didn't know anything about traits. So finding that, was it a situation where they had to kind of learn about it or they just kind of picked it up and were like, okay, this is what she's got and we're going to find ways to help her and treat her and stuff? Yeah, it was more about finding ways to help and treat me. Um, I don't think that they both knew their genotypes. Um, So one did, one didn't. Mm -hmm. And we didn't really think at the time it would be sickle cell. So I'm sure they were aware of it, obviously, because of my older cousin and just being aware of sickle cell, um, especially Mm -hmm. in Nigeria. Concentration um, in Nigeria. I was born and raised here in London, but they were aware of it, but no one ever thought I had it. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Until um, age nine. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And so um, did you, I know you said you had like little pains growing up, but they didn't really quite know. Would you say it's the the same kind of sickle cell crisis that you had after you kind of were diagnosed or was it different? Or you can't remember maybe because you're quite young. It's a bit of a blur, but I just know that growing up, as a child, like in primary school, I was always in the medical room and I'd always say my back, my back, my back. And that's where I have crises mm-hmm. most of the time now, uh, well, yeah. oh, throughout my life. Um, the main areas mm-hmm. of crises would be my back, my legs, um, but the back has been mm-hmm. the main area. So my mum used to always tell me that, yeah, when you were younger, you'd always say my back, my back, my back. So I was basically in crisis mm-hmm. with no painkillers and no one knew. That's crazy. Thank you for sharing that. And what way do you think your upbringing has shaped the way you manage your sickle cell now? I feel that with my upbringing, because it's been very like limitless, I still carry that limitless mentality just in everything I do in life. Um, So it's not a barrier to success. Things might take a bit longer. Um, I'm actually a charter surveyor by profession and not practicing at the moment. However, even during that to get my chartership, it took me um, about a year longer than I would have liked because I had complications and I was in that hospital. Mm-hmm. So it's not like yeah. I can't do it, but it just means doing things differently mm-hmm. and looking after yourself. So yeah, you want to do everything, but you have to take time and listen to your body. So that kind of precautions yeah. of, oh, have you taken your jacket? Have you filled your water bottle? All these things from when I was younger are still ringing in my ears. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's definitely shaped how I how I manoeuvre as well. And obviously as an adult, you take on responsibility yeah. for yourself and your actions. And um, mm-hmm. I take precautions anyway. My medicine's always in my bag. Yeah. Um, water's always in my yeah. bag. What's going to happen? I carry my papers yeah. everywhere. Little heat patches, just in case, you know. Um, obviously we're not yeah. planning for that. Yeah. It can happen. And I'm just always prepared whenever I can be really, yeah. And I think that's amazing and a, a definitely powerful message because I think it's so important. Like it does make a difference. You never know. And it is such an unpredictable yeah. um, condition. And then also living in the UK where like weather and all this other triggers is like something that's a huge <laughs> issue here. <laughs> that I think, yeah, definitely. And I think that's a message even for like the younger generations growing up. Like, because I know one of the things is 
um, going out when you're a teenager and not being being annoyed that the only, you're the only one carrying this or carrying a, ba- a, a heavy coat or something like that. But realizing as you get older, this is actually so important for me in my lifestyle and being able to manage sickle cell well. What drove this into my brain was actually when I was in uni, um, I went to UCL, so I was still in London. Um, obviously with modeling, mm-hmm. you're always out parties, clubs, da, da, da. so yeah. there was one event I went to and I didn't carry a jacket because I was like, my house is literally just down the road, um, you know, I'm in Century, I can always pop back and just from getting from like where I was living at the time during uni to the venue, it was like five minutes, but that little period and it was November, no jacket, just a little dress, crisis, that was mm-hmm. one of the worst crises I've had in my life oh. so far. Like my chest, my legs, my back couldn't walk. Um, I, was, I had to go to hospital and I had over 24 morphine injections. So, you know, subcut wasn't working. And you obviously you've got to wait at least half an hour or so to an hour to get the second injection. It wasn't hit until about the fifth or sixth injection and I was in for a few days. So that was a big lesson for me. And I was in uni, so I wasn't a child. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? I think I was probably 19 or second year. Yeah. Um, that's... One experience that has really shaped how I move <laughs> going forwards. Like jacket is the beyond it. Yeah, everywhere. It doesn't matter. Even on holiday, there's been times when I've had to like, or like you're in a hot place like Dubai or something. There's been times when I've actually literally had to like go and buy a cardigan from like H&M. I'll be like, where's the closest? Because it's like cheap and cheerful. Just because I'm like, yeah. no, like when the wind blows, like it doesn't matter how hot the country is. Like if wind That's is cool. like getting in and you're not wearing, it's like, yeah. But it's, <laughs> I know those horror stories, but they actually shape the rest of like your life and how you manage your sickle cell. And they do actually really help. No, 100%. So what would you say some of the major challenges that you faced with sickle cell and how you're able to overcome them? So ooh, this is a, a tough one. <laughs> I feel that just processing sickle cell in itself mm-hmm. was a challenge. Um, I wouldn't say it's a challenge right now, but when you're younger, you're a teenager growing up, it's like you don't want to be different, odd one out. Growing up, you've heard stories, as always, oh, I know someone that died from sickle cell or oh, no, you don't look like you've got sickle cell. It's like, what's that supposed to mean? What am I supposed to look like, yeah. you know? Um, that's a challenge in itself. I feel like the, the constant challenge is yeah. that just that element of being misunderstood all the time and just that kind of yeah. judgment, whether it's um, intentional or non-intentional, it's like my body, your body's always sickling. Your body's always in crisis because your body's mm-hmm. always producing sickle cells. So yeah. I might not be in a severe acute crisis, but as we speak right now, like my ankles, my wrists, you know, it's going, you know, it's aching. Yeah. That's just daily background pain. So I feel like the daily background pain is one of the main challenges, um, along with that kind of lack of yeah. understanding. It's yeah. like people don't need to understand, but it's just just respect the fact that it's an invisible condition. And on the yeah. surface, you might look good. You know, I've, I've seen so many quotes. There's a quote that says, just because I'm wearing makeup today doesn't mean I'm feeling less ill. I love that quote so much because it's just, as it all really, outward appearances are not necessarily a reflection of the inside. So um, just dealing with that and just that kind of understanding of the condition and how it actually affects the body. Um, And physically as well, for me, it's been the leg issues. I had a lot of leg issues from 2018 to 2020. And those leg complications opened my eyes to sickle cell because before um, I thought, okay, it's cool. I'll have crises. 
take painkillers, might have to be admitted, then we go again. Do you know what I mean? But dealing yeah, with those yeah. side effects of certain things and having leg complications for 2018 to 2020 where you can't walk and you're debilitated and it makes you realise yeah. how debilitating this can be and that was my wake-up call to be like wow it's not just crises like I knew yeah. it wasn't but I haven't really experienced yeah, anything else up until that point so it's that daily background pain and then mentally as well it can be a bit difficult sometimes especially when you're feeling pain experiencing pain um and just feeling a bit mis- misunderstood sometimes so I feel like those are my main challenges um that I've had with sickle cell and you know we're still going through some of them but we're working on it and um you know we want to figure out with the pain clinic what's going on doing things to help myself yeah. um different treatments holistic health um everything under the sun <laughs> Yeah. And thank you so much for sharing. And and I, I love what you say about like, it's the way that it's a daily thing, even if you're not having major crises, there's daily things that you're experiencing. And especially with yeah. your upbringing, because I can relate to that, like having very like uplifting upbringing where people are positive and you feel like you're limitless. So when you kind of yeah. have that um, feeling of like, I can do anything, I'm, I'm like everybody else in a, in a sense, like I'm not like I can, mm-hmm. I can still do what other people can do, but then also having those daily struggles and then also physical. I've always had the issue with physical because I've always been someone who's like glam and dressed up and heels. And I think also <laughs> you kind of love that vibe as well. So it's just annoying when yeah. in the workplace, I think I've had always like big issues where it's like people always like, you look fine or they don't know what it is and like all those kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it's true because it, it goes beyond just the pain. It's really like a daily yeah. thing that you have to deal with. And even like when you book jobs and stuff like if you wake up with wrist pain even though or like little pains it's like I always felt like I don't know if you explain this but like being I hate being a flop <laughs> like I hate having yes, to like- cancel and and not being able to go up and and stuff and it's just like I am actually a professional person it's just this thing is you know I can't actually physically do this right now and it's just that whole battle that I feel like people with sickle cell go through and a lot of people don't understand it because they're not aware of like the daily challenges as well. So what are the, some of the things, cause I know like you said, it's still a learning process, but what are some of the things that you would say to like other warriors, like how you're overcoming them or what helps you? For me, it's a lot of it is mental now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very much into metaphysics and just mm. how I process things is very different now as it, well, compared to before, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, and just understanding that the all is mind. Like, yes, you're physically feeling pain. That's mm-hmm. what I tell myself. But yeah, the more you think about it, the more you feed into it, the more it's going to, to grow and get bigger. And obviously, I'm not saying that yeah. is the cause when it comes to a big acute crisis, but everything is made in the mind first, you know. And that's what yeah. I believe, you know, I'm a student of metaphysics, still studying, still learning. And that's what's helping me yeah. in this current moment time over the past year or so well half a year to be honest end of last year I started getting into that um on a more practical basis you know I do things like silent meditation which is just literally sitting in silence um shout out Nero um he's the person who really introduced me to this kind of um way of thinking and you know this school of thought and it has helped me tremendously um I'm still haven't cracked it yet because I still feel pain I had a crisis last week you know and um it's a bit annoying but at the same time it's about embodying the state you want to be in and also practical as well for me which is foam rolling um 
heat as well. I've got electric blanket, heated blanket. That's on 24 yeah, seven. Ooh, I'm <laughs> my blanket's going on before I get into my bed. I don't know the degrees outside right now. <laughs> heated blanket, <laughs> massage. Yeah, no, it's not a joke. I had it on last night. I put it on level two though because it was a bit hot. So until I get warm and you know, it helps let the blood flow. You know, so heated blanket, the key. Um, foam rolling, major key. Obviously, it depends on how your body's feeling. If it's just a mild crisis, mild pain, I'll foam roll. Um, mm-hmm. What else helps me? Heat massages. I've got an amazing beauty therapist. Um, her company's called A1 Lux. A, sorry, A1 LXB. That was mm-hmm. her old name. A1 LXB. And she does like really deep, oh. intense massages for me because that's what I like. You know, it needs to go down into like the those you know, muscles and I, I like a lot of pressure yeah. and you know there's different treatments I do with her and um I even had one a couple of weeks ago with like a sauna she's got a sauna um which you can bring along as well and that's part of the treatment so like a lot of self-care a lot of like well-being things you know love the spa yeah. and when I can go because the exposure to water can be a trigger for me depending on the body um yeah self-care and also taking care of the mind and the body as well and just just soft life <laughs> whenever I can, <laughs> you know, whenever I can just relax. Like I have massages a lot. I look after myself I and my mind that. and my body. You know what I mean? That's, that's me. Like, I am well-being queen. Even last night, facial, you know, little face mask. Yeah. It's so important. Little things just help, it's you know? Yeah. I love that. I know it's so important and soft life, especially we even need it even more. Because <laughs> it's, yeah, no, I love that. And, and speaking of that, uh, tell us about your health and wellness platform, Sickletella, and how it all started. Oh, <laughs> so Sickletella, mm-hmm. um, it's actually started, well, I'll backtrack. So it's a platform to raise awareness for sickle cell for the time being. There's a bigger vision, obviously, but for now I'm just raising awareness and just sharing my own personal experiences. It's a knowledge exchange. Yeah. You know, I've learned so much about sickle cell over the years um, through other people as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, healthcare professionals, yeah. a space to connect with others. I've connected with those people around the world. And it all started actually mm-hmm. in 2016. So I've been mm-hmm. someone who's, you know, been an advocate for sickle cell I'd say from about 2016 you know in school and stuff mm-hmm. I'd speak about it um to people if they wanted to know um yeah. in uni I'd say is when I knew about the help I could get for example for exams mm-hmm. extra time all these things that people don't know about you can actually get that I didn't yeah. know until I was in uni so yeah that's when I started um well that was the last bit of education I did <laughs> so that was very helpful so mm-hmm. I'd say that yeah, 2016. Um, so I graduated 2015. So 2016, um, I started speaking about sickle cell. I took on a few speaking engagements. Um, I did a talk for sickle cell with um, Sophie, um, who is the owner of Music in Motion PR, one of her PR events. And that was my first ever time speaking. I remember it, it was at the Magic Roundabout in Old Street. And after that, people started coming up to me to speak to me about sickle cell they were very surprised by some of the things I'd shared some who knew about it some didn't and it started a conversation and at that point I you know I was going by sickle teller and I hadn't even started um, any online platforms or any YouTube or anything it was just me speaking different places and things Um, so that's how it started I started 
for one of um, Music Emotions events and then other little speaking engagements, well, not little, but other speaking engagements. And then during lockdown 2020, because every year I was like, I want to come out, but I'm just scared. Like, you know, and I had this fear because unless you know me personally or you're in my space or you know me, you wouldn't really know I've got sickle cell. Um, I started sharing a bit on Snapchat, um, bit on Instagram, not so much, but then during lockdown 2020, I said enough, enough. If not now, then when? Um, just put it yeah. out there. So World Sickle Cell Day 2020, which was obviously the 19th of June, I came out, so to speak. <laughs> and yeah, that's when I publicly declared to the world what, what, what's been happening. And obviously the condition Sickle yeah. Cell and part of the platform, made a YouTube, um, put out a few videos, <laughs> Obviously, I'm still dealing with the condition whilst trying to advocate for the condition. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're living with yeah. it. And there has been a bit of pauses, but we're back, you know, and we just do what we can when we can yeah. at our own pace. Um, and ultimately, my yeah. message right now is for people to know their genotypes and to give blood. Mm-hmm. Because, as you know, um, only 1% of donors are of a black heritage. And we need certain subtypes for um, certain um, people. Um that being sickle yeah. cell, so it's important. So obviously, as someone who receives exchange blood transfusions, I felt like there was an onus on me to to share that message. So I continue yeah. to share that message. And, um, that's how it started, really. And it, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's still going. We're still we're still growing. We're still still got a lot of things on the list that you want to do, and we're going to get out a few things in the yeah. pipeline. But yeah, lockdowns when I launched, really, yeah. Oh, but it's so incredible. And what you're doing is amazing. I love it. I think that's how I actually discovered you first was through um, the Seagull um, Teller page. And I was like, so like, wow, she's doing amazing stuff. And then you're also a fashion model. So please tell me about that journey and like the challenges or any kind of things that you face building your, your fashion career. Yeah, sure. Um, so, wow, it started a long time ago, actually. Um, yeah. And... Ooh, what I even start? So I was into acting first and I was part of a theatre or a Shakespeare company, Youth Ensemble. Um, I went to identity drama school. I was a theatre kid, so I kind of just fell into modelling. Um, I got scouted a few times. I was that little shy, skinny little girl, like, no, no, I'm OK. You know. <laughs> eventually I was like, everyone, literally everyone around me was pushing me like, no, you should do it. You should do it. And yeah. I was like, okay. So I started doing modeling. Um, I got signed to an agency and I was with them for, I don't even know, quite a number of years. I started modeling like about mm-hmm. 10 years ago, actually. So it's been a while. And um, started what? doing fashion week, things like that. Yeah, my agency knew about my condition and my current mm-hmm. agency knew about my condition as well. It's something that's very important to me, mm-hmm. you know, and they respect that and they support that. And, um, you know, it started with fashion, um, different magazines, you know, Wonderland, Rankin, mm-hmm. Work with Rankin on Hunger Magazine, mm-hmm. different publications, um, London Fashion Week, Paris Fashion Week. And then I started to move into the commercial space. I do a lot more commercial stuff now, so which I love. And I love beauty. I, my passions are like beauty, skincare. So, you know, doing stuff for like Rimmel, Maybelline. Um, yeah, so I did Elemis um, recently as well. That was um, for their summer campaign, which c- just came out recently. Oh, so I love doing skincare now. Um, I still love fashion. Mm-hmm. I love Fashion Week. I love the adrenaline. Yeah. You know, before you walk on the catwalk, just like the whole buzz behind behind the scenes. You know, backstage. Yeah. You know, you 
Oh, I'm pulling your hair. You come yeah. Everyone pulling clothes on you, and then it's like adrenaline, then it's like lights, camera, action, walk, you know. And I'm quite tall, I'm like five eleven. Yeah, it's just, and it's just like it's amazing. That's I'm amazing. just under six. Yeah, five eleven point seven five. So yeah, for me, it's, it's been amazing. Like, I, I love fashion. Um, I love creativity. I'm just a creative individual, so I, I love the whole process behind the projects, behind the shoots, behind the shows, yeah. and now I'm just like more of a commercial babe. Like, I, I, and that's what I like. I love it all though. But um, yeah, beauty is is my passion as well, and skincare. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And I've actually seen some of your campaigns and stuff like on social media. And I'm like, incredible. Like you, you. supermodel, like five, I didn't know how tall you were. I was like, damn, she looks like really tall and like really skinny. <laughs> but yeah, do, doing fashion week back to back, you know, that New York, London, Paris, Milan. That's yeah. That's something, especially with sickle cell for my body. I haven't actually done the full cycle before. I've just done London and Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's what I really wanted to like, ask you about because I know sickle cell and like modeling like one of the things like growing up when I would do like I don't know a shoot outdoor or something and then me and my my sister um does modeling mainly acting so kind of a similar background to you but uh, more um like acting and like um like more commercial modeling but one of the things we used to like joke about I was like oh my god I can never because we'd shoot she does like brand ambassador for my brand and we'd shoot outdoors and I'd be like I can never do this because of my sickle cell which is like the cold or the things or like and then she'll do like boot beach shoots and stuff like that and I'd always be like oh my god I could never do this how would somebody with sickle cell be like able to do this and so and this is when I didn't know a lot of people with sickle cell so since like starting this podcast and like on social media I've actually met so many incredible warriors around the world doing so many incredible things like yourself and so I was like oh my god I need to ask her like what was this like (laughs) what was this like did you ever have shoots where it was like you had a crisis what were the people in the fashion industry like like yeah, tell me everything because I'm like so intrigued. Yeah, we can get into it. Thank you so much as well, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. I know I really appreciate you having me on here and all your kind words. Um because it hasn't been easy. Um I think the first thing is having supportive agents from my own um experience. Mm-hmm. Like they've all been supportive of my condition. Oh, well, I don't say my condition, mm-hmm. it's not mine or the condition. I'll correct myself of the condition. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. I try and not you know, attach myself to it just for my own personal reasons. And like I said, with the mind, everything. So anyway, yeah, yeah the condition. So, cause outdoor shoot, I'm always like, <gasps> you know, and I'm always, you know, like even yeah. finding out location, um, and, you know, making sure there's provisions, for example, like I remember shooting, um, yeah. outdoor segment for fabulous magazine. I used to work with fabulous magazine quite a bit. And the, the creative director, Tracy Lee Sayer, she's amazing. Um, I had a shoot outdoors while shooting in Chinatown at night. It was amazing. I still have the images in the magazine. But I was obviously like, oh, my gosh, it's outdoors. But we had like um, a van, like some kind of filming van mm-hmm. thing. We had four blankets as well. And they were making sure I was warm, well hydrated, you know, you know. So that was really, really good. And I worked with Tracy quite a lot. And um, I had another shoot for Fabulous magazine. And this was a story time because it was on the rooftop outdoor and it was warm. It was it was warm. I think it was around the summer months, yeah. years ago, on the rooftop okay. outdoor. Yeah, yeah. And 
I ended up having a crisis out of nowhere. It started in my stomach mm. and that's quite random for me. So I didn't think it was a crisis. Then yeah, it got so yeah. bad and the pain just came on. And this is like literally mm. like we've gotten a few shots, quite a few looks now. And yeah. I just ended up throwing up. Don't know why. I threw up. Maybe because of the medication, but I threw up. And then they just got me in a cab and straight, straight home, you know, well, straight to the hospital, actually. I did say I wanted to go home first and, yeah. you know, go to the hospital with, like, family. So, yeah, I just yeah. remember just after me and I felt like, oh, my gosh, I've ruined the shoot. I felt so bad. But mm-hmm. I didn't. That was just my mind and the anxiety because yeah. these are, you know, team I've worked with before and so amazing. So I felt comfortable that, okay, at least they yeah. know about my condition. Well, the condition, sorry, and they yeah. in the past have been supportive, and you know, mm-hmm. just whenever I've worked with Fabulous Magazine, it's always been amazing. So it was just me feeling like, oh my gosh, like I don't, I don't want that to let you know myself down or let my agency down. I was like, oh yeah. my gosh, are they ever going to are they going to book me again? <laughs> uh, hopefully, it doesn't ruin my, my relationship with you know, the client, but it didn't. You know, it didn't. Like, I worked at Fabulous Magazine after that. You know, many times after that, and I'm grateful for oh, that. That's, that's one experience. Uh, another experience has been on yeah. the beach in December. With, um, it was for um, a fashion film, Fashion Week, okay. outside of London, and it was December, and it was a beach shoot. It's not a tropical beach. It's oh cold. And yeah. I was quite fearful, not going to lie. So I just brought, like, yeah. a fur jacket, um, four fur, <laughs> um, and medications on deck, and, mm-hmm. yeah, loads of warm clothing, oh, yeah. just in case, because it was, you know, oh, yeah. um, a new team. So then, and then I had a, I had a small crisis. Well, I won't say small. It was mm-hmm. mild to moderate. It was cold. Mm-hmm. It was December. So, you know, but that was okay. I think it just took an approxim and I was all right. So it's up to you. For me, I'm, I'm a bit of a risk taker. I'm very much like, my risk tolerance is like very high. Um, obviously, you've got to yeah. use your sense, take precautions. But I feel like yeah. if I can, if I'm okay, if I can make provisions and make sure that I'm okay, I've got warm clothing, let's go. And if, if it makes mm-hmm. sense, you know, if, if, if it makes sense. So yeah. that's a couple of my stories. <laughs> a couple of my stories. Yes, but I love it. Thank you for sharing because it's, I know going back to the prepa- uh, preparation that we talked about, like how when you're prepared, you're able to do things. I know because it's like, yeah. and how did your family feel about this? Like when you first started, were they kind of, have they always just been supportive or were they a bit like cautious, like or in terms of the career in itself, like the fact that you might have to do outdoors or you might have to do long hours or stuff like that? Or was it just one of those things where they kind of just, um, they support you and just know like you're able to do these things I think it's been a bit of both really it's always been love and support but then for example like when I used to do fashion meet back to back um like year after year Mm -hmm. and you got you know people just see the show you have to go to so many castings you know from morning till evening and the closer it gets to fashion week the, the later the nights get then you might be shooting as well in between that so I think during those periods um I'll be quite exhausted sometimes. And then, you know, my mum's like, you need to take it easy. Like, do you really need to go? And I'm like, yeah. kind of have a request casting for a big designer. So I kind of need to go. Yeah. Um, obviously, if I'm not feeling well, I'm not going to go. But it's just that kind of fine yeah. line between not going into yeah. a place where you're going to wear yourself out. Um, and obviously, early call times, like 5 a.m. call time sometimes. Yeah. And then, you know, when shoots abroad as well, that can be a bit tricky because traveling as well yeah. can trigger a crisis. 
luckily, you know, thankfully, I've traveled for work and it's been okay. Um, When I did, I did a shoot, well, I did a campaign actually for Replay Jeans and that was in Barcelona. So the flight there was great, a super early call time. You know, in the studio most of the day, it was a great, great campaign with um, the Barcelona Football Club and Alessandra Ambrosia. And it was an amazing experience. But just on the flight back, that's when the crisis happened. And it's because in the actual video you'll see us spinning around with the jeans because that was you know hyperflex jeans oh, campaign so in our stretch it was so it was that spinning around like for like a couple of days for filming um made me like really dizzy and feel really sick um that was on the flight back but you know it's how the game goes you know nothing's nothing's easy and yeah. it was okay you know it was just a bit like I hope this calms down you know so I guess because yeah. it's something I love doing, it's, you know, it's something that I've been doing for a long time and I enjoy it. So I'll do it and yeah. just make sure that I'm in the best state possible to do it. Obviously, I've had, I've had to turn yeah. down jobs a lot, a lot of the time because of health, you know. I missed out on quite a few, um, you know, big jobs and big shows. But at the same time, what's for you is for you, I believe. And what's yours when yeah. I pass you by? Yeah. So I look at it, you know. So that's yeah. how it goes really so I feel like, yeah they've been supportive but it's always been a bit like raise eyebrow <laughs> need to you take yeah. it easy don't do too because I'm someone that wants to do everything now like let's do it let's go you know yeah and I can relate to that it's like with fashion it's really hectic because it's like a little bit of the other side and my I know my parents are always like don't overwork yourself when I'm like in the studio sewing for like hours but like you said when you're passionate about something sometimes you don't even know you're working that that long or that hard because you love it so much but it's always just reminding yourself if I do it too far like if I take it too far and like I overexert myself I'm going to be in hospital for like two weeks and I'll miss whatever the thing I'm working towards so now I've kind of learned to just be like okay like you know (laughs) know your listen to your body um ultimately like knowing when it's like okay my body's tired I need to like rest or yeah um but I actually I really love the fact that you said your agencies were also very supportive which is so important because I think that really makes a difference in like how you can actually thrive in a career that you love by having like supportive like agents or employers or stuff like that who like really understand your condition and I think that's great and so um when you came into the career you're very kind of transparent with the agencies and just kind of told them like I have this health condition when you started modeling I'm trying to think back because it was about whew, 10 years ago now <laughs> well actually over okay. 10 years okay. ago <laughs> yeah I started modeling when I was 20 no, not 20 I was when I was 17 yeah um during sixth form okay, um, when I was yeah. 17. yeah so yeah that's why 10 plus almost mm-hmm. <laughs> but basically I let them know I had sickle cell I'm not quite sure when but I think it probably when I first signed actually I remember my first job was yeah. was with a magazine um mm-hmm. and telling them them because it was outdoor shoot and I was like oh my gosh first job oh, outdoor yeah, like- I, I did mention then actually yeah. it was that's my first got signed had a shoot that weekend which the, for the magazine told them I've got sickle cell and just let them know really and it was okay obviously yeah, yeah. I was like cold <laughs> but had yeah. my jacket and stuff on the side but when you're do, getting shots you jackets off like you need, we need to shoot <laughs> you know but yeah. like, in between shots yeah. put it on get warm um, but it was fine and um, I think when I started having the exchange transfusions I had to let them know as well mm-hmm. that I have exchanged blood transfusions every five weeks now at present so 
Yeah, my agent, like she's amazing, my mother agent, and all my agents are just supportive and very amazing and just wonderful. So it's just a case of booking out oh, those yeah. days, really. So, you know, I've booked out my next exchange. And that just helps to manage expectations as well. They're not going to waste yeah. everyone's time, the client's time, putting you forward for things on that day or for that week when yeah. you're going to be having a so I just tend to book out a couple of days um, from my exchange, a couple of days after, and just communication. That's it's just so important, just communicating with, yeah. with everyone, really, like everyone. So that's what's been really helpful, and yeah, I, I'm yeah. quite transparent as well because for me, it's less anxiety. So if you know that you know something's yeah. happening or I'm ill, God forbid, one day it won't be a surprise, and I don't like letting people mm-hmm. down. So. Yeah at least we can preempt it or at least plan ahead and um, make other arrangements um, or just yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, that's so, uh, I think that's so important for every kind of warrior dealing with like, yeah. you just have to be transparent. There's no point in like not saying anything or pretending and stuff and the right people will um, support you because I know I think some people have the fear of saying it in the beginning I've know I've spoken to some warriors yeah. that are like oh I don't say it in the interview I don't say it in the the beginning because I don't want to yeah. not get the job and I do get that to yeah. some extent but I've always just felt like it's just better to be straightforward in the beginning because I've had annoying situations where I'm like I'm usually fine and then like I started I think what was it, it was like a foundation course so I was like 18 and I started the course and the first day I was there, I don't know, I had a massive crisis and I got taken away on an ambulance. And I think every single person in the class was like shocked. And I was known as, because we were just meeting people for the first time. It was like the first day of like our foundation course because it was a separate college. And like I was known when the first few days of like, they were like, oh my God, like that girl just like, because they didn't even know my name. It was like, <laughs> that girl just... <laughs> got taken by the ambulance so when I came back to school it was like really awkward and I just had to explain like oh my way, <laughs> I have sickle cell but like so many things like this happen and when you don't tell the person or the environment you're with it's like so shocking and scary for them obviously it's horrible for us but also like the surroundings as well can be like what the hell is going on like <laughs> so, so I think it just it helps a lot yeah, yeah I think that's how I do feel like it's important to disclose when you're comfortable to disclose as well. Um, just for me yeah. personally, the way the anxiety is set up, I'd feel if it's a job or something, mm. then I'd, I would say maybe after the interview, <laughs> like, you know, when, it's, it's up to you wow. what you feel yeah. comfortable doing. It's just like, yeah. yeah, you just, it's up to you. But that's how I've done it in the past when I've been in, the, in that corporate space. Um, it's been a case mm, of, okay. you know, you get a medical questionnaire as part of your contract or whatever. Mm. Um, that's how I worked at Deloitte and um, let them know in my onboarding, because um, I joined, joined as a graduate yeah. back then, and that's when they knew and they got occupational health through yeah. through um, that as well. So for me at Deloitte, it worked like that, but it's different for everyone and it's up to you. That's just how I felt. Yeah. Actually, I didn't really think about it because the interview was just like so intense anyway, just like all about, oh, yeah. you know, by the way, just <laughs> after, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, no, that's good. <laughs> Speaking of the office and employees and working mm. um, and having a career, and one of the things I've noticed is like um, in the fashion industry, there was, I didn't really meet a lot of people with sickle cell or a lot of people didn't know, especially like with internships or some jobs. So why do you think there is still such a lack of visibility with sickle cell anemia and like, yeah, how can we help to change this? Or what What were your personal experience with in fashion or um, any other careers that you've done? Yeah, so I, I feel that um, just, well, in the fashion industry, I feel that if you look at the population, you look at how many people have got sickle cell, then look at how many of those are in the fashion industry. I'm not quite sure what the statistics are, but I'm guessing there's not many. There might be, but I haven't come across yeah. many. Do you know what I mean? And for me, it was a yeah. case of I had a shoot that was outdoors and I was like okay so I've got sickle cell by the way um just have check xyz one two three and then obviously made the necessary arrangements um so that's probably why why I even said back then because I wasn't really that vocal about sickle cell back then Mm -hmm. um as I've done more work and been a bit more vocal within this space I'm much more comfortable saying it and then when I started the exchange transfusions I said it as well because I need to book out for those days, you know, every five weeks right now yeah. for that day sorry, or any day. It depends on how I feel, you know, after the exchange it could be one or two days. Yeah. It could be three days, but at least there's awareness there. And then that provision is made. So I feel that um, maybe it's not talked about enough. Um, people mm-hmm. to this day still don't know what it is. Some people have heard of it, yeah. but don't you know what affects you. So I can give a recent example um, when I was seeing the wonderful Elemis team, it was amazing. And I just had my exchange the week prior and we started speaking about yeah. sickle cell and it was amazing. And, you know, it was great. And obviously I did the shoot with them. It was, a, it was in Ken. It was a beautiful um, location. And it, we just had a big conversation um, about sickle cell and just about the condition and my own experiences and just more about what can be done um, to help, such as like giving blood yeah. and people are able to and willing then just things like that so I found that it is a good conversation um to have with people in the industry and I felt comfortable doing that it's been received really well um and it hasn't really hindered me in that sense because I still booked the job and work of a great team and we have you know built this connection and there's that different level of understanding as well and yeah, yeah I just felt so um, heard and so cared for and it just a great team yeah. honestly like oh, it was one of my favorite shoots um this summer <laughs> um so oh, lack of visibility yeah. I'd say yeah it's just I guess there's not enough visibility in general full stop anyway in any in any yeah. industry and I feel that yeah. yes people are becoming more aware of sickle cell but there's still more awareness to be done um hence why I started yeah. sickle seller because we can all do our part yeah. for sickle cell and we can we all have can have we all have yeah. to use our voice and use our platforms because people that you know are different to people that I know. And if we're sharing a message about sickle cell, we can reach yeah. different people. It might be millions right now, yeah. but it will definitely one of my videos on TikTok that got over 107k views, you know, and that's reaching oh. a global audience, you know, a viral TikTok yeah. star. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. but it's just like every little thing you do, you don't know who it's gonna reach. So yeah, whenever you feel comfortable, share. And I feel that it's just not spoken about enough. It's not it's not seen enough. Yeah. And that's probably due to lack of awareness and lack of understanding. Um, like I said, some may know, yeah. but they might not know exactly how it affects you or what it actually entails. Um, yeah. So it's up to you. If you 
I, I can talk for days, so <laughs> I can yeah. share. I love so yeah, I love the example you used how like you want to shoot and then you started speaking about it. And even that makes such a huge difference because now yeah. they know and like if they in the future meet someone with, with sickle cell or something. So I feel like even just in our everyday is such a good way of just obviously not like harassing people like, do you know about sickle cell or whatever? Oh, but, like, way, guys. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's good. I I think, um, yeah, I think it it definitely makes a difference, especially when you're in different industries and stuff like that. We all have different careers, different um, paths. And if we're just connecting with a few people throughout our lives, it's. It is. And also, I think that um, the conversation actually came about because I was asked a particular question about myself uh, when I was meeting the clients. And then I was like, oh, well, I think I would. That's when I mentioned sickle cell. I can't remember the exact question, but it was something with like yourself. um, And I think any kind of, you know, health wise or whatever, it was a particular question. And um, that's when I mentioned, oh, well, you know, I have a regular exchange transfusion because I have sickle cell and that's how the conversation started. So yeah. different conversations bring different things. So um, yeah, like you said, we're not going around with a big yeah, speaker yeah. saying, hello guys, let's talk about sickle cell. But <laughs> opportunity arises, yeah. I'm the occasion. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know, oh, amazing. And so what exciting projects are you currently working on? Oh, well, there's something exciting I'm working on with you. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> maybe. Um, so that's going to be great. Um, I've got a couple of things coming up. I've got a workshop coming up as well very soon. Um, that's with the Invisible Warrior CD. And more details shall be coming soon about that. Um, obviously, September is Sickle Cell Awareness Month. And we're in full swing right yeah. now. So there's that as well. So yeah. a couple of things lined up and um a few a, f- a few more in the bag that I will just keep quiet about for now <laughs> but yes. yeah those, those two way, things yeah. those two things this month so yeah those two projects and what are your uh, future goals in life in general like <laughs> Um, my future goals in life are just to keep thriving and not surviving, mm-hmm. you know, coming out yeah. of that go, 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 go mode. Um, yeah. My health is my priority mm-hmm. and just to be in the most optimal state of health that I can be. It's been obviously yeah. very challenging over the years. Even the past six months have been a challenge mm-hmm. physically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really trying to work on that and be in this optimal state of health because once that is where it needs to be everything else can flow um yeah Yeah. just to keep going you know and um work on my mind a lot more you know get more into my metaphysical bag and just really study um Mm -hmm. that you know I listen to a lot of Dr. Joe Dispenza um he talks a lot about the brain heart coherence and like the quantum field and I won't go into it too much now but just really understanding that and applying it to my life because it works Mm -hmm. like when you go all in there's no way it doesn't work you know people have had spontaneous remissions Mm -hmm. from cancer so how much more so Sickle no. cell, not to, not to compare the two. Yeah, like Dr. Joe Dispenser 
is an amazing man. Um, He's got a book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, which my friend who is the Mm -hmm. owner of A1LXB put me on to during lockdown. I started reading that book. I started, you know, listening Mm -hmm. to his podcasts. I started, you know, listening Mm -hmm. and researching his studies. And it is phenomenal. Like, and it's just pure science. It's just Mm -hmm. science. It's just how... Wow. body works oh, so the yeah, mind works and that brain heart coherence so that's what I'm going to be working on a lot more of you know and just getting in tune with that yeah yeah oh I love you I love that and I I definitely know that you're living with sickle cell you're slaying you're living your best life and I'm so excited to continue to see all the incredible things that you're going to do and thank you so much it's been a pleasure to have you on the Sliver with Sickle Cell podcast Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me and I'll see you soon. (laughs) This podcast is sponsored by Dumabai, exotic couture women's wear clothing brand for the goddess in all women. If you're interested in a one of a kind piece handmade to perfection in London, then go over to our exclusive website at www.dumabaifashion.com. There you will find some unique, incredible pieces. 20% of all proceeds go to the Gideon's Treasure Foundation and all our initiatives, including this podcast and also free creative workshops for people living with sickle cell and other chronic illnesses. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I hope you will continue this journey with me. We will be discussing a lot of important topics and we'll have some incredible guest speakers joining to share their experiences. Please subscribe and like our Instagram pages, Atelier underscore Dumbai and Gideon underscore Treasure. Feel free to leave a comment, ask a question. And if you would like to be a guest speaker and share your story, please send me an email details in the episode description love you and god bless